As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Bean. My name is Joe Biscalia. Thank you very much for joining me. The Bills are getting ready to go into probably their marquee game of the regular season. You know, there there was some thought that earlier earlier in the year contests were a bit more weighty than maybe what this Bengals game would have been just because maybe back then the Bengals' reputation wasn't exactly what it is today. So maybe earlier season, you're like, oh, the Bengals at the end of the season might be tough, but you know, I don't know that anyone foresaw this Bills-Bengals matchup being one that could very likely decide the overall top seed in the AFC. So that's why this game is just unbelievably packed with storylines, matchups, you know, what this could end up doing for each one of these franchises with a victory. I mean, there are just so many different scenarios and it makes you think both about the the big picture and what's in front of these two teams in this upcoming upcoming game. So we'll get into a bit of that certainly throughout uh, throughout the early part portion of the episode and then of course we'll do the prediction near the end but you know sandwich in the middle I spoke with our Bengals beat reporter Jay Morrison for the athletic does a great job covering them he's been there covering them for a while now and you know Jay was nice enough to join me on the podcast and discuss what has helped this Bengals surge because they have now won seven games in a row after you know a pretty awful start in Cincinnati you know was it the you know I know a lot of people are going yeah Super Bowl hangover not really looking like the team that they were at the end of the year last year that got to the Super Bowl but man have they turned it around and they have become one of the best possibly the best team in the NFL uh, at this point in the season, and it's a perfect time to uh, to garner those those honors, certainly. So we'll chat with Jay about their offense, what it's looked like with Joe Burrow, their defense, how that's kind of come around this year, and and a lot more from there. But I wanted to just take a a big picture look at what this game signifies. I mean, the overall look of it and the ramifications of it are weighty by the, by itself. I mean, if you are looking at it from a Bills perspective, a victory over the Bengals essentially means that they are locking in a top two seed, which even if they were to falter against New England and Kansas City wins out, then that means the Bills would at the very least have two home playoff games. One in the wild card round is the two seed. And then should they advance 
again in the divisional round against whoever the um, the third highest seed remaining is. So that could be the Bengals if they were to win their their wild card round as well. And so the Bills would get the opportunity to host the Bengals. That would be at the very least. But if the Bills were to beat the Bengals and then beat the Patriots, they lock in that first overall seed, first round by home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. So no matter what happens, whoever wins outside of the Bills matchups, that team would come to Buffalo to try and advance in the playoffs. So that would be a, and they haven't had that before under McDermott and Brandon Bean. So that would be a humongous thing for them. They could also get it done by defeating the Bengals and the Chiefs losing either this week to the Broncos, which I wouldn't totally rule out just because you know the 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 line on it is crazy because you know the Broncos just fired their coach and they have been pretty uncompetitive over <laughs> over some time here but you never want to rule out that first game after the coach is fired bump cuz it's real in the NFL most leagues actually but in the NFL specifically Whenever you see a team move on from their current head coach, there's just like this, I guess, this therapeutic, cathartic release from the players because they're no longer having to listen to or go by what wasn't working for months on end. And for them, maybe it serves as some motivation to say, okay, well, you know, it's not because of us. And there's just a new energy in the building and trying to put aside what was and then reestablish their pride to put forth a, a pretty big effort in that first game. There, there's, it's kind of remarkable uh, seeing the, the output of some of these teams that move on from their head coach and, and what they do under the, under the interim coach in the first game after. So you know, I wouldn't rule it out. Probably not likely, um, just because you know, the Chiefs are the Chiefs and the Broncos are not good. But you never know. I do think there's a better chance of the Broncos beating the Chiefs this week than of the Raiders beating the Chiefs in Week 18 because McDaniel's not going anywhere. They're going to be starting Jarrett Stidham. More like more likely than not, and that doesn't seem like it's a recipe for the Chiefs to to falter in that final week. So the options here are: hope that you get the the new, well, not the new, the interim coach bump from the Broncos, or win out. But the one factor that has to happen for the Bills to get that that top seed, most likely, is that they need to beat the Bengals. It is the commonality. There is a scenario where the Bengals beat the Bills, the Bills beat the Patriots, the Chiefs lose a game, and then the Bengals lose in the final week. But just seems like a lot of resistance there. You need a lot of things to go your way. And so the path of least resistance, beat the Bengals, take care of your business there, and then and then beat the Patriots in the final week. You do that, top seed, first round by, home field advantage, the whole nine yards. And we know how important the home field advantage is for the Bills because they have yet to prove that they can win on the road in the playoffs. They've gotten close, certainly. The the Houston Texans game in 2019 was close. 2020, the, the loss to the Chiefs was not close in the AFC Championship game. But 2021, that was their game, but they didn't put it away. They couldn't put it away. So I don't know if it's necessarily like a, 
they can't win on the road thing, but being 0-3 in those situations, you've had some guys in the same locker room for a while. Not saying it's it's going to be a huge piece of their brain, but maybe if it's just tucked away a little bit in the back of the brain, that's it's a slight factor. But at home, just you are in your bed uh, the whole week. You're you're leading up. You you're going where you're comfortable every single every single playoff game. It's just there's a lot to be said for being able to go through the entire playoffs and doing it on your terms, which is, and of course the, some of the advantages that the bills get by playing at home in Buffalo against teams that are not as comfortable with specific elements that they, that they might encounter weather elements, I should say. So such an important game so many reasons but the matchup to me is just mouthwatering like you have these two teams that are so incredibly talented the Bengals they are somehow I think still slightly underrated which is Kind of funny to think about because they're eleven and four and kind of on the doorstep of potentially, you know, getting the top overall seed. But I think they're underrated in just how talented they are and how much of a headache it is for opposing teams to play them on both sides of the ball because you have this quarterback who is settling into one of the best in the NFL and Joe Burrow. And I, you know, quite honestly think it's pretty close between him and Josh Allen. They're different styles, no doubt. But, you know, if if you sat here and told me that you thought Joe Burrow was a was a better quarterback than Josh Allen, I I would not wholeheartedly disagree with you. I can see arguments for each player. They both present something different. They both are an X factor for for their team. And the way that they have set things up around Joe Burrow really speaks to what makes him the best player he can be. And that's accuracy. That's picking apart a defense with his mind. Uh, that's you know, getting the ball out quickly. They have such a, a formula that you know, injuries, if if they suffer an injury with one of their skill position players, it, it makes an impact, no doubt. But if they have that full group, that's a, that's a tough group. You have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins on the outsides. Uh, Tyler Boyd, Trenton Irwin working, working in the middle of the field along with tight end Hayden Hurst. And Hayden Hurst is a, a solid athletic tight end that can get you some yards after the catch then out of the backfield you have joe mixon and samaj p ryan like these these are all elements to an offense that just drives you nuts because what do you do it's just kind of a do you focus all your attention on the boundary with with jamar chase and and t higgins do you try and keep everything in front of you and allow some underneath stuff to those guys? Do you allow for some receptions to guys like Boyd and Irwin and Hurst over the middle of the field? Or do you play it straight up and and have faith in your cornerbacks to be able to go toe-to-toe with Chase and Higgins? <laughs> that idea is probably not the wisest. And then making it even more complicated is that the Bengals are they have a, a solid running game with with Joe Mixon and and Samaj P. Ryan. And those two guys, like, I don't think they're they're going to be the game changer, but it is definitely a running game that is more proficient than what 
the Bills have going on on their side of things. And it absolutely helps Burrow and that entire passing team. They're, they're a, a big time, just like the Bills, big time pass rate over expe- expectation team. It's just, they just do it very well over there. And then on the defensive side of things, their defensive coordinator, uh, Lou Anarumo, who, great mind, sets his guys up for success and and really is creative in, in how he calls up things. So that's why like you look at this roster, and they've got a lot of talent on that side of the ball, like DJ Reader, um, Von Bell, their two linebackers, uh, let's see, Logan Wilson, who went to Wyoming, who uh, Josh Allen is buddies with. You've got Jermaine Pratt in the middle of, of that defense at a linebacker. Mike Hilton is a, a really solid nickel corner. Uh, even other defensive linemen. Um, Hill in the middle of that defense. I, you know, Carter flashed a few times. Trey Hendrickson is out there. So they've just got a lot of pieces that all kind of fit together. And when you have a creative defensive mind, there's there's a lot of momentum there for them to be a good a really good team and a tough out for just about anybody. And that's what, why we have seen them play the chiefs as tough as they have. Now has every one of their games been perfect? No, but um, they are, a, they are a legit contender. And I think, and I think you would, uh, it wouldn't be wise to think otherwise of this Bengals team. But that said, the bills, they're right there. These are two teams. They're close. It's such a fine line between these two teams because where the Bills might falter a little bit in terms of how they match up, they have specific X factors that can help make up for it. Like, do the Bills have a locked-in great second receiving option outside of Stefan Diggs? No. It's been pretty inconsistent all season. But then you have Josh Allen running around in in ways that just totally melt the minds of some defensive coordinators because they, a lot of times you think you have Allen and the Bills pinned and then picks up a 10-yard gain on a third and nine. And then the defense stays on the field and they just keep marching it down. Allen is that X factor when Diggs isn't available. Defensively, Guys like Milano and Jordan Poyer and Ed Oliver, like three levels of the defense, they can force a humongous play that makes up for some of the deficiencies that the rest of their defense might have. Like, is the Bills cornerback group great right now? No. And that's going to be an issue that that we'll get into once we get to the prediction portion of time. But it's those X factors that help kind of bring them along. You know, it's kind of weird to think because you come coming into the season, the Bills were thought to be the most talented and deep roster in the NFL. And I still think they're up there, but I think the Bengals have a case. They've stayed a bit healthier than than the Bills. Like they lost Chidobe Awuzie, their top cornerback, and they lost their right tackle to L. Collins this past week to a torn ACL. They they had to play a few games without Jamar Chase due to an injury, but pretty healthy otherwise. And of course, the Bills lost Micah Hyde, Von Miller. You know they. Those are two humongous losses to to their entire operation. So now it's it's a matter of how it uh, how it looks, how it feels, and you know who is going to prevail in this just humongous matchup. I for one, this is this is the game. Uh, you know, outside the Kansas City one, because obviously the Bills Chiefs have have become a a pretty good rivalry over the last few years. 
But this one, this is the first time the Bills have been up against this version of the Bengals. The last time these two teams played was in 2019. And Josh Allen wasn't quite Josh Allen just yet. The Bengals had yet to draft Joe Burrow. That was in 2020. The Bengals really lacked a lot of talent on defense, so it didn't allow their defense coordinator, Lou Anarumo, to be able to become who he is today. So all those little factors. We do not know how the Bengals will try and defend Josh Allen. We do not know how the Bills will try to defend Joe Burrow all the same. Because both, I mean, I talked about Anarumo, but Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott, very good at scheming up for for elite-level quarterbacks. So just so many elements, which is why this is such a marquee game. And the difference between the Bills winning and the Bills losing would either mean they only play, if they were to win, they only play one of the Bengals or Chiefs at most, and that would be in the AFC Championship game. And then... If they lose, there is a good chance that they would have to play both of those teams on the road. Or at least one of those teams on the road. But it it certainly feels like this year's AFC playoffs is going to come down to the Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs. It would be a surprise if all three of those teams did not make it to the divisional round. Which sets up for the 2-3 matchup. And can the Bills make it to the Super Bowl going through both Kansas City and Cincinnati when they haven't yet won a road playoff game? That is a huge variable to their overall Super Bowl hopes. So it's going to be a great one. And uh, if you can't tell, I'm, I'm pretty geeked up to, to watch it unfold. I, you know, I, I think these are the type of matchups that you – absolutely just love to cover love to watch because you truly don't know the outcome like most games this year the bills had a pretty good shot at winning you know, outside the chiefs game i thought before all the before they suffered all their injuries i thought the rams game would have been a lot closer but this is a true like the chiefs game this one is a true coin flip and it's a uh, it's going to be really fun on a national stage on Monday night. So, um, yeah, we'll, we will get into the prediction part of that uh, at the end of the show. But coming up next, wanted to get the inside scoop on the Bengals, what they've all gone through and to get to this point where they have won seven in a row, 11 and four, looking like a legitimate threat to make it back to the Super Bowl. In, in, in this season. So we're going to hear from uh, Jay Morrison, who covers the Bengals for The Athletic. And, uh, and yeah, it was uh, really getting a good chance to, to hear about some of the, the ins and outs of, of what they've done so far. So coming up just after this short break, Jay Morrison from The Athletic, who covers the Bengals. And we'll be right back after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, now we are joined by someone who does a great job of covering the Bengals. He has done so for quite some time. His name, James, his name is Jay Morrison. He covers them for the Cincinnati Bengals. Be sure to read all of his material leading up to this crucial AFC top seed battle. Jay, thanks so much for joining the Buffalo Beat today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game. I mean, it's it, it went a long time in Cincinnati without these kind of games, and now they're coming around a little more frequently, and it is a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it's I, I I mean, you know it uh, just as well as I do. Like mm-hmm. you went through you've seen a lot of bad football over the years covering the Bengals, just like I yes. have with the Bills. And, um, you know, that I remember that first year in like 2020 when they popped the and they were like, you know, just rolling teams and had this great, this great year and starting to play these huge games near the end. It's like, OK, what is happening here? Are they like actually <laughs> legit or is this just kind of a flash in the pan? Because they all have those years, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that it, they, it's similar. They they both get new coaches that kind of change the direction, change the culture. Then you get the uh, the franchise quarterback, and it all kind of falls in place once right. you get those two pieces there. Yeah, so let's let's begin with with that Joe Burrow guy because he <laughs> has become just one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think that's debatable. Um, he the way that he sets up defenses it's just superb they've got the two outside guys they've got a great slot receiver in tyler boyd and he does a great job of picking apart defenses in that way so what have you seen from burrow this year that has um you know he played this way at the end of last year leading up to their super bowl run but what have you seen from him this year where he has been able to elevate the way that he has Uh, Just his ability to adapt. You know, last year, one of the reasons a lot of people thought that that Bengals run was so fluky was they were just killing people on these deep shots. It it was people didn't really take Jamar Chase serious till about week seven or week eight. And they they were single covering him. And even the Chiefs did it in that in that regular season game when Jamar went for 266 and um they they had so many big plays. They they set an NFL record for most touchdowns of at least fifty yards, and that was kind of their mo. And this year, not just the Bengals, kind of it seems like it's an NFL trend. A lot more too high, take away the deep ball, and Joe Burrow has done a great job of finding the underneath guy and working down the field. And that was the big question this year. Can they can they continue to score without the big home run? Can they put together 12, 13 play drives? And they have. They've had a number of 80, 90-yard drives where they march it down the field. And um, he's just – He's so good at recognizing. He's so good at remembering. If, if if he sees one look, he remembers it forever, and he he diagnoses it as soon as he sees it uh, present itself the next time. And they, I I don't want to say he's running the team, but when when Joe Burrow asks for something, he gets it, and they. They went away from the under center runs and, and went to more of a, a shotgun running, uh, more of a downhill out of the shotgun. Um, a, a really interesting thing back in week three, they, they were, they were having, they lost their first two games. They were slow getting started in these games. And I just, I asked him in a press conference, you know, would, would you like to take the ball first instead of deferring all the time? Um, and, and he said, yeah, that that would be fun. It's not my decision, obviously. But um, since then, the Bengals have not kicked off to start a game. They <laughs> if if they win the toss, they take the ball first. And if they lose the toss, the other team defers. And they have they've just been in attack mode from the get go. And it's just uh, he, he's just one of those guys that uh, he, he makes very few mistakes very good at recognition and just this this calm, cool demeanor where even when they fall behind and they've done it a number of times this year, uh, they never feel like they're out of it. It always feels like he's going to bring them back and more times than not, he does. 
Yeah, I mean, th- that coin flip thing is just so interesting because, <laughs> you know, the, it's the trend around the NFL. You defer. Everyone yes. defers. If you win, you defer. So actually hearing a team want the ball and be like, yeah, no, we want we want to set the tempo of this game is very interesting. And the fact that Zay- Zach Taylor is like, OK, let's let's roll with it. That's yeah. that's uh, that's really interesting as well. Um, I was going back and watching some of these Bengals games on on film the, the last few weeks. Of course, the Chiefs game. I watched the Patriots game. Um, the most impressive throw from him in that Patriots game was against a two high. The the Trent, uh, I, I'm going to botch his name, Irwin. Yeah, Trent, Trent Irwin. Irwin. Yes. Um, the the touchdown to him that split the safeties was mm. just unbelievable. And because that is that is a preventative defense, and he's just like, nope, I'll throw it right over the top, right where you where, right where you don't see it. So how does he like? When did he develop that confidence to be able to just? push that ball in a spot where the defense is designed to say, okay, you're not throwing it here. Um, it was early in his career. He, he had that confidence because he was able to do that at LSU. He, you know, you, he's, he doesn't have the strongest arm. And so early in his career, there was that feeling out process where you, you figure out which windows you can actually fit it into and which ones you can't. And he, that was one of the things from last year and it's continued this year and it's it's not it's not similar to that play but if if he does see single coverage on on those guys on the outside on T Higgins or Jamar Chase he's throwing the deep ball he trusts them he trusts himself if 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 the the Bills line up and play press coverage on either one of those guys you can look for the nine ball cuz it, it's coming it's just that's what he does but he does he he, he is so accurate it, it, it's ridiculous how accurate it is and and I don't know if you saw the stat but once he throws 12 passes Monday night even if they're all incomplete he will set the NFL record for most accurate uh, completion percentage in NFL history. Uh, oh. you, you, he, he needs 12 attempts to get to the minimum number to qualify. Um, so, and, and, you know, he's doing this, throwing the ball down the field. It's not all dink and dunk stuff. So it, it was early in his career where there was a feeling out process, but then once he figured out what he could do, where he could get these throws, it, it just really took off. And, um, and that, that's just a, an example that the Trent Irwin one where, you know, this is a guy, he was a practice squad guy for a number of years. And it was when Jamar Chase went out with the hip injury. Um, they, they, they uh, brought Trent and Irwin up and he really has kind of flourished. And, and it's been because of Joe Burrow and they had a, a veteran in Mike Thomas and, and Joe Burrow, he had a couple drops and Joe Burrow basically said, I, I don't want that guy here anymore. I don't have trust in him anymore. I trust Trent Irwin. They they waived Mike Thomas. Trent Irwin gets elevated to a more important role, and now we see him. He, he almost had a three touchdown game against the Patriots. I mean, there was one that Joe just barely overthrew. Trenton said he should have caught it, but you're right that 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 was just a great example of where he sees what he wants and he goes and gets it, even if it doesn't look like it's an ideal situation right. to put the ball. Yeah, just just a just a ridiculous play. He's he's an awesome quarterback, and like people in Buffalo, I've been trying to tell them that the Bengals are for real for a while now. <laughs> and and Joe Burrow, I mean, the fact that all you have to do is just watch him play how he dices up a defense, and then and this is the segue when you have those two boundary receivers. Yeah, I don't know how teams defend them. I'm, I mean, and it's not always perfect, obviously, but. Chase Higgins. Higgins can make any cornerback look absolutely foolish mm-hmm. on a on a contested catch. Uh, he did it early against the Patriots. Like um, having those two players. I mean, how has that? Um, have you team seen a team really stop that? <laughs> is is my biggest question because uh, you know it just seems like it's such a chore. With okay, if you're assigning coverage to the boundary, then it leaves the middle of the field wide open for guys like Hurst and Boyd and everything like that. But if you don't give them enough attention, then Chase and Higgins are going to kill you. So it's like, what do you do? It is. It's it's the it's the epitome of pick your poison. And, um, you know, they have they had the four games they were without Chase Higgins missed a couple games. So there's you know, there's been about half the games where they've had both of them in there. And it is it's it's a hard thing to stop. And um, it's the it's not just I mean, you mentioned uh, Hurst and Boyd operate in the middle of the field. But now you've got Trent Irwin that's working in there as well. Uh, Joe Mixon has really been a a good receiver out of the backfield uh and then you get him in the open field and and 
he, I mean, he's a big back. He's going to run people over. Samaj P. Ryan has been a great third down back. I mean, he's got all kinds of weapons, and that just accentuates the the danger of of what Higgins and, and Chase can present. And um, you're right, Higgins is more of the the downfield guy, although he he does cross in the middle quite a bit. That the, the amazing thing about those guys both is. They, they both have these really strong hands and they're really physical um, and they they don't need to catch a deep ball to get a deep score. Both of them can catch a slant and break one tackle and be gone. And it is it's that's the that's the challenge for any defensive coordinator is even, you know, Bill Belichick is famous for taking away what you do best, taking away your best guy and making you play left handed. And he tried to do that with Chase and, and Higgins had a really, really big game. And then Trent Irwin, you know, bubbles up with two touchdowns as well. It's just uh, it's it's a very, very hard offense to stop. And Joe Burrow doesn't throw a lot of turnover or throw a lot of interceptions either. So it's it, you you really have to do what I said earlier is just try to keep everything underneath. Try to make them go 12, 13, 14, 15 play drives and, and hope it breaks down somewhere along the way. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much how teams have been playing the Bills for mm-hmm. a couple of years now as well. Um, shifting over to the defensive side, one of the comments that Sean McDermott uh, made um, yesterday, which was Thursday, um, that was you know, just you know, take note of it is talking about the creativity of defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. Um, I mean, how the different looks he presents and how they how they uh, how they defend the specific scheme related things that he does to give these high powered offenses fits. Uh, My my first question is how uh, well. Are you were you surprised this past offseason that he didn't get more looks as a head coach um, elsewhere because of his success, um, certainly in that Super Bowl run? And then secondly, I mean, in taking, you know, good, not great, a good, not great defense Mm -hmm. and making them just superb against great, great offenses. How has that kind of formulated over time? Yeah, the the last off, I wasn't that surprised because there was this kind of the, the fluke narrative, and and you know you want to see it a little bit more. And then the other thing is, we all know what the NFL is. It's the guy they're going out and getting young offensive minds to to lead these teams. And Lou is mid fifties and a defensive guy, and he'd never even been a coordinator before. And he was like the Bengals' eighth choice when Zach Taylor took over. Like he was he he got hired as they were at the combine. Because they were they were so far behind because Zach Taylor was coming off of the Super Bowl run with the Rams. So it took him forever to even get his staff in place. And then it, it took him a while to, to land on Lou Anarumo. And, and really, he was the, the question. I remember sitting down with with Lou and with Zach at the Senior Bowl a couple of years ago. And it, it felt like Lou would have been the perfect fall guy after the first two seasons where things they, they were just really bad. And uh, Zach Taylor kept the faith in him. And it's paying off. Um, I, it, it's really interesting what he does because it's he he does he kind of goes against the the conventional norm. Like he will zero blitz Patrick Mahomes when the book says not to do it, and and he'll drop eight. And you give Patrick Mahomes all that time to make a play, and and you would think that would not be the the right way to go about it but they make it work and it is because you said like you said that one of the reasons Zach didn't get rid of Lou after those first two years is he said he didn't have the pieces in place that and that was the year they went out that the Bengals have never been big in free agency they've always been a you know people call them cheap but it's it's been more of a philosophy thing where they want to build through the draft retain their own guys well they didn't have enough good guys to retain they had all this money um they go out and they get a DJ reader and a Von Bell um they get Eli Apple off the scrap heap they get these guys um with with football intellect um culture guys that they really they they believed in that love football Trey Hendrickson's another one of those and then all of a sudden Lou Anarumo has not top line guys, but he has a deep defense and he has the ability to experiment and mix, mix and match and and put different fronts out there. And that's where this whole mad scientist, you know, moniker that he's been given by his players really took off once he had the actual chess pieces to move around. And it, this is, you know, it's going to be another 
really interesting case against Josh Allen is that how is he going to do it? Because he is a little bit different from Mahomes and in, in the size and and how how hard he runs. Um, I, I think we're all really anxious to see. Yeah, we all want to see the shootout. We all want to see Allen versus versus Joe Burrow and these offenses go. But it's that's one of the things I'm really going to be looking for Monday night is is what Lou does um, and and it what he does in the first half may not be what he does in the second half. We, we've seen that many times, too. And you know, that playoff run last year, they go from having to stop Derrick Henry and this elite Texas Tennessee Titans run game, then the next week it's Mahomes. And two completely different styles. He comes up with two different game plans. And really, the the Chiefs, the AFC Championship game, it wasn't until the second half where they were getting their doors blown off. And he's like, okay, let's, let's try it. Let's just drop eight, rush three. And they really flustered Mahomes. And Chiefs didn't score in that second half except for one field goal. Man, that's that's wild. And I I mean, that's such a great point by you, because, you know, a lot of times teams will play Josh pretty similarly. And so uh, I, I kind of wonder, since Josh Allen has never really gone up against Lou when he's had when he's had this type of mm-hmm. talent with him, you know, if maybe there's a little bit of a blueprint because. Uh, the creativity aspect to it a lot of time like there's a lot of good defensive coordinators out there but there's not a lot of great creative coordinators out there yeah. and so that's that's why i'm so so compelled to buy it just like you um last thing i wanted to ask you if uh, you know from a from a Bengals perspective what i guess on field matchup should they be most concerned about um from from what the bills are presenting to them yeah, it's going to be rookie corner Cam Taylor Britt. He's their second round pick. Um, he he missed most of camp with a with a, a core muscle injury. They were high on him, but but that really put him behind. And it was in, in week seven they worked him in, and they they said it was just to try to get him some experience because he was he was back and, and practicing and in the flow. Call it what it was. It was a benching of Eli Apple. And so they turned to Cam Taylor Britt. Well, then the next week against Cleveland, Chidobe Awuzie, who's playing at a Pro Bowl level, shut down corner, not not a household name, but was just playing terrific. And he was traveling with the other guy's best guy. He goes down with an ACL injury. And so now all of a sudden you've got a rookie and you've got a guy that was just benched for the rookie as you're starting outside corners. And Eli Apple has really stepped up and played well. I think Cam Taylor Britt has played well for a rookie. Will you put that qualifier in there? He's, he's really tough. There's no yak with him. He gives up a lot of catches, but he'll get the guy down immediately. But we've seen him. He, he struggles to track the ball. Um, he, he gave up a touchdown last week against New England where he wasn't even looking. He was in the back of the end zone. He had great coverage, but the ball whistled right past his ear and the, the, the Patriots receiver catches it for a touchdown. How he matches up with Diggs and Davis, I mean, I, I there it. I think it can be a liability, and that's that's going to be another thing where Lou's going to have to figure out a way, give him some help. Um, but that's that's the one area where I think Bengals fans should be worried about, and Bills fans should be eager to see exploited because uh, if there is a weakness on the defense, it's it's Cam Taylor Britt, the rookie corner. Absolutely, uh, great stuff from Jay. Jay, thank you so much for joining me here on on the Buffalo Beat. Uh, and like I said, go and read all of his stuff leading up to this game. Heck, you know, even during the playoffs, because there might be a chance that these two teams meet, meet again down the line. So, Jay, thanks so much. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Joe. All right, so that was Jay Morrison. Be sure to follow him over on Twitter, and we will be right back with the prediction right after this. All right, so some great stuff from Jay Morrison, who covers the Bengals for The Athletic. You can follow all his work over on Twitter at jmorrisonath, and also be sure to check out his stuff uh, about the Bengals leading up to this game over at The Athletic. And if you haven't subscribed, head over to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat and get a nice little discount on your yearly subscription. Okay, time for the Shaq Lawson meditation prediction hour with the bills and Bengals in a closely contested one as odds makers see it high total on this game i wanted to bring up the the exact line at the minute i was recording this just just so it it was fully accurate the bills are still a one point favorite as of 
as of Friday evening. And the total on the game is 49 and a half, which is one of the biggest totals on the slate this week. Let me see if there's there's anyone that beats it real quick. Um, I don't. Oh, no. Chicago, Detroit is 52 and a half. But that's it. The Bills have the the second highest total of of the game. So when I look at this matchup, you know, just watching the Bengals on film, you spot specific things that could benefit the Bills and could, you know, make their lives a little bit more difficult. I'll start with where the Bills have an advantage in at least from my perspective. I think that the the first one of the first things that that was brought up from that Bears game was how little Stefan Diggs was involved. If you read my all 22 over at the Athletic, I don't think it was a product or a, a sign of things to come, so to speak. I think it was just kind of a, a perfect formula of the overall emphasis on the running game throughout a lot of the windy weather that that really persisted throughout the game. And also an overall emphasis from Josh Allen to take what the defense is giving rather than trying to force the issue uh, for the most part. And it all just melded into one. And I think that's why Diggs wasn't as targeted as often as he usually is. But I also have seen Josh Allen you know, be critical of himself in certain areas of his game over time. And then he aims to fix it and pretty, pretty quickly. And he was pretty critical of himself after the game about not getting Stefan Diggs more involved. So if I were a betting man, I would say that they're going to target Stefan Diggs early and often. And I think the matchup helps that too. Because the Bengals cornerbacks, the boundary cornerbacks, I should say, in Cam Taylor-Britt, who's a rookie, who I think could have been on the Bills' radar, has the specific skill set they usually look for. And then Eli Apple, who, up-and-down player, has been beaten his fair share throughout his career, but also can, can give you some good reps, too. Just inconsistent, I think, is the best way to put it. Diggs working against one of those guys, I think he will have some definite opportunity for success. And it will be on someone else to help take some pressure off of Diggs after he gets himself involved early in early in the game where the Bengals maybe pivot to try and take him out with their game plan, their scheme. So it's one of Gabe Davis, one of Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox. Maybe it's the check down option in, in James Cook. Somebody's got to step up outside of that. But early stages, I think Diggs should be a, an emphasis from both Allen and from how they're structuring their offense. So that's one advantage to me. Another advantage is a couple of spots on the Bengals' offensive line that I think they can exploit in pass protection, above all else. Joe Burrow gets the ball out pretty quickly, but the matchup of Greg Rousseau working against Hakeem Adeniji, who will be subbing in for the injured L. Collins from last week, that's a matchup that Greg Rousseau should win. Will he be able to get to Burrow in time by how quickly Burrow likes to get the ball out? That's a different question, but he should at the very least be forcing the issue and maybe forcing some quicker throws. The one I've really got my eye on is Ed Oliver working against their left guard, Cordell Volson, who's a rookie out of North Dakota State. Solid run blocker, but... In pass protection, that is an exploitable matchup. And it doesn't necessarily have to be Oliver. Like, maybe they 
they utilize Daquan Jones and and Ed Oliver, and maybe they put Oliver on the opposite side to work against the right guard. And Oliver usually attracts the most attention in pass rushing instances. So it wouldn't be a surprise to see the center help out the right guard in that situation, which could allow a one-on-one for Daquan Jones. Or maybe they put Jordan Phillips and Ed Oliver on the field at the same time and and do a, a, a one-on-one with Jordan Phillips against Volson. I think that whoever is working against that left guard, it will be very important for them to win quickly because the the best way to impact a pocket against a you know more prototypical pocket passer like Burrow is by rushing them straight up the middle. It's a big emphasis in the Bills' overall defensive scheme. And if they can isolate that matchup even, you know, half the time, they they have to win. They have to win that spot because I think it is their depth at defensive tackle can really do well. And all four of them can can rush the passer. So I think it could do really well against against that matchup. So those are the specific advantages that I see. The Bengals' advantages that they have. I have a, and you know, when I was on uh, Jay Morrison's podcast this this past week, they asked me for one thing I've got my eye on from a Bills perspective, and it kind of took them by surprise. But for me, it's Tre'Davious White, because to this point. He has not quite been that Pro Bowl player. He has not been that that All Pro player that uh, that they have made a staple of their franchise. And it would be insane to expect that of him so quickly coming back from like a year long rehab of a torn ACL. So it's not being hard on. On Tredavious White, it's more of just an acknowledgement of where he is right now in in this overall recovery, and he's just kind of an average cornerback at this point. He will more than likely get back to the level he was playing at, but to think that he will be that player this weekend, or I'm sorry, not this weekend, this Monday night, is asking a lot. So. What they decide to do with him will be my one of my biggest things I'm, I'm thinking about going into the game. Because against the Jets, they had him follow Garrett Wilson. Against the Dolphins, they actually had him follow Jalen Waddell and then used a team approach against Tyreek Hill to kind of lock him in to avoid the big play. But it's a different ball game with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins because they win in so many different ways and contested catches going up and get it like it's a it's a as jay put it when he was on a pick your poison sort of thing like do you put tredavious white on jamar chase and then allow either dane jackson or or elam to to operate against t higgins or do do you do the opposite and try and bracket jamar chase and leave less uh attention on t higgins it's just a, it is a problem that doesn't necessarily have an answer. The one thing I will say, though, is regardless of what they do with Tredavious White, I think he's, it would be, I, I think he'll give up some catches against, against this team. But I also think what's starting on the opposite side of him is, equally as important and I'm just thinking about if they were to utilize Tredavious White on Jamar Chase and then on the opposite side it leaves either Dane Jackson or Kyir Elam working against T Higgins and I don't think that they want to get into many situations where Dane Jackson is going up for a jump ball against T Higgins his biggest difficulty is the catch point, contested catches. We have seen it a lot over the last couple of months where that is where, where he has really struggled. And 
putting him out there when you have a superior athlete in how he can turn a run, how he defends the pass, and certainly having better size and overall length in Kair Elam. If it were me, I'm putting Kair Elam out there 100% of the snaps in this specific matchup. Maybe go back to the rotation if you want to the following week, but I don't think this is the week to mess around against Chase and Higgins. So that's a potential exploitable thing. And then, you know, DeMar Hamlin potentially being the, the safety that helps out. That is something to keep an eye on, too, in how the Bengals can move the ball down the field. From a uh, another advantage I see for the for the Bengals is DJ Reader up front. I mean, the Bills have a solid interior line with Mitch Morse and Ryan Bates, but if you get Reader working against Roger Saffold, I think that's that's an opportunity for the Bengals to exploit. And heck, even Reader working against Morse, Reader working against against Bates. Like just because Bates and Morse are having a, a a solid season this year, and good, I should say, doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to be beat by Reader. Reader's a, a really good player, and, and he's good in both phases, whether it's uh, as a pass rusher or as a run stuffer. So that overall difficulty to run on this Bengals defensive line and linebacker group, I think could potentially make them into a bit more of a one-dimensional effort. And as we've seen, when when that has happened to the Bills, they have struggled. So there's a lot of different things at play here. But as for the pick, um, I am going to take the Bengals to win this game. And I don't do that lightly. I just think they are mightily impressive they are playing at home certainly which certainly helps but where i ultimately see the biggest advantage in in this entire matchup is burrow and those receivers working against the bill secondary taron johnson and jordan poyer are still in it so it's not like the bills are just starting what they did against the Miami Dolphins in week three of the season. But it's not the same Tredavious White as it was before the injury last year. And you're either using an inexperienced rookie player in Kair Elam or a cornerback who has experience but tends to be overwhelmed at the catch point in Dane Jackson. And that combined with Burrow's mind and and how he can fire things out, I think that gives them just enough of an edge in my mind for them to come out on top. But I think this game is going to be close. These teams are close. I'm expecting an awesome game that lives up to the billing. And I would not be surprised if Josh Allen takes over the game because this is the exact type of environment that we've seen from him in the past. Just even when it looks like the Bills are a little overmatched, he reaches down for something special. It, it in terms of like a big run or a huge throw that you know most quarterbacks can't make. So I would not at all be surprised if the Bills were to steal this game in Cincinnati. But in terms of what I saw on film, I I favor the Bengals as the better team in Week 17. Or the team more likely to win in Week 17 than the Bills. Could definitely change if these two teams play again in the playoffs. But you know, just from what I've seen, I... I I like the Bengals in this one. So I'll take the Bengals to win. Obviously, the Bengals to cover because the Bills are favored. And I'm going to take the over. Uh, the score I, I used for my uh, my prediction column, my five thoughts column, it was 29 to 26. So about five points over. Four and a half points over of what uh, what Vegas has it at. 
So there you go. The the Bills and Bengals. This is going to be a great game. Everything is in front of the Bills at this point. And they're going to need a, a pretty large um, showing here to keep this the dream of having the AFC playoffs go through Buffalo alive. It's going to be, it's going to be a great game. I can't wait. All right. So the next time you will hear from me will be in the wee hours of uh, Monday morning. I'm sorry, Tuesday morning in Cincinnati. I will more than likely be trying to squeeze the, the podcast in between uh, being done with writing and then having to go to the Cincinnati airport for my uh, 6 a.m. flight. I don't know why I continue to, to do this to myself, but here I am, a, uh, a product of, <laughs> of uh, you know, just doing the same thing over and over again. But regardless, it'll be a game that can't wait to go over and to see how it looks on film, everything like that, because very solid chance that these two teams will, will meet again down the line. All right. So thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscalia. I appreciate you for listening, subscribing, and, uh, and you know, reading, too, if you're over at theathletic.com. So Bills, Bengals, Monday night. Should be fun. We'll talk to you after the game. See you then.